Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last week we heard Peter's confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and saw how Peter, along with Abraham and David and Job, took his stand, built his life firmly on that confession of who Christ is and how we become children of God through that same confession, are built on that rock of Christ. Having made that confession, having, having become the children of God in our text this morning, Jesus wants to open our eyes. He wants us to understand what it means to build our life on that rock and what it means to follow him and what that life of following Christ is going to look like. We read then from Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Jesus began to show them that he must go to Jerusalem that he must suffer, that he must die and rise again the third day. He showed them the path that he had to follow, the path of the cross. Uh, these words, Jesus showed them, they probably don't seem that odd to us because we're pretty used to using that word show in this way, really to mean to explain uh, in detail here. But it is unusual in Scripture. In fact, uh, this word here is only used in this sense of explaining something uh, one other place in Scripture. Most of the time it, it means literally you're showing, you're seeing something with your eyes. The ten lepers showed themselves to the priest. Peter was shown in a vision. He saw it uh, with his eyes. It wasn't just explained to him. So when the Holy Spirit, through, well, when Matthew, through inspiration by the Holy Spirit, uses this word here, in a way that's unusual, it draws attention to it, doesn't it? That Jesus isn't just explaining, he's not just teaching, he's not just telling us something, but he's giving us a vision. He's using words to do it, but it's still a, a vision, something that he wants us to see. Earlier this week on Monday, we had our school opening devotion, and in that opening devotion, I challenged the students to listen carefully 
to a set of instructions. And if they listened carefully and remembered the instructions, they could go out of recess and follow them and, and find a, a treasure. The thing is, though, that there was eight, eight or nine things, steps, that they had to remember. And that's a lot to try and memorize, especially since I only gave it to them once. Uh, Christina came pretty close. I think she, made, she remembered up to step six or something like that. But that, that was a difficult thing. However, in, in, in st if instead of trying to memorize all the steps, if you're familiar with the church property and you visualize where you were going when I was giving the instructions, you didn't need to memorize it, did you? If you had followed along, if you were able to follow along, visualize where you were, you could have found the treasure in your mind while I was giving the instructions and then just gone out and found that, that area, or at least you could have followed the instructions up to probably step five pretty easily, uh, and then you'd only have one or two more steps to, to remember. You guys, if you want, you can try it. The devotion is on our Facebook page. Well, that's what Jesus wants in our text this morning. He wants us to have that vision, to visualize what he's talking about, to, to remember what the path of the cross looks like so that when we're in our life and we think, well, this doesn't seem right or this doesn't look right, we can go back and say, no, this, this is what Jesus said the path would look like. Or maybe, no, you're, I'm right, this is not what Jesus said the path of following him would look like. Jesus, what does Jesus say? The path of the cross is sorrow, death, but then resurrection and glory. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul reminds us, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you, the same word there, I show you a more excellent way. This is the, the one other place where it's kind of used in the same way here. And again, Paul, just like Jesus, he wants to show the Corinthians a different vision of their life from the one that they were living. The, the Corinthians had received these gifts from the Holy Spirit, but they were using them in a self-aggrandizing manner. Look at how great I am that I have this gift. Paul's saying that's not what following Christ looks like. That's not the way of the cross. Replace that vision with this one that I will show you, one of using your gifts in humility to serve one another. And Paul certainly showed people the path of Christ, the vision of what it means to follow Christ, not only with his words in 1 Corinthians 13, but also in his life. You look at the life of Paul. What does a life of following Christ look like? Persecution, imprisonment, right? being stoned, but also serving faithfully, preaching the word. In the apocalyptic literature and scripture as well, we, we have the same vision, both in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation. What does God say? He says, he gave these visions to his servant in order to show them what things were going to be like. And what do we find? Again, both in, in Daniel and in the book of Revelation, what do we find? We, we don't find earthly glory and riches, but we find evil and sin and difficulty and trouble and suffering. But then, the rock cut without hands. The growth of the church. Then, 
life everlasting, the crystal river, the, the forest of the tree of life. Jesus says in our text, Matthew 16, 24, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The vision that Jesus gives us, the vision he wants us to, to keep in mind is not one of, of glory and ease and wealth and everything going well, but one of suffering that leads to death, but death that leads to life. Suffering in this world and death to come. Peter, despite having boldly confessed Christ and taking that firm stand on that, that rock, which is Christ, nevertheless has a very different vision of what following Christ is going to mean than Jesus does. Maybe Peter was thinking of the feeding of the 5,000 and thinking how, oh, following Jesus means, oh, we have plenty of food, we never go hungry. Maybe he was thinking of that time when he walked on the water and, thinking, and was thinking following Christ means more wonderful miracles and glory like that. But because he was replacing God's vision with his own, what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but only the things of man. Whenever we make that same mistake, whenever we make that mistake of, well, this is what my life ought to look like, that then, like Peter, we become that stumbling block, a trap which leads to death. When we, we, when we start our Christian life or even continue our Christian life expecting ease and gardens and lots of good things and no trouble or tribulation, then it's, it's very easy for Satan to lead us down the wrong path, isn't it? With this idea, well, that, that way looks a lot nicer. That way looks a lot easier. That way looks a lot better. Instead of the kind of dark and difficult path that, that Jesus would have us go down. Expectations. Expectations, false expectations are always a problem. They're a big problem in marriages. You enter into a marriage with the false expectations of what your spouse is, is going to do or should do for you, the marriage is going to go downhill pretty quickly. You enter into friendships or into school, into the workplace, into anything with false expectations, that's going to be a problem. If we enter into that life of following Christ with false expectations of what God has promised, it's going to lead to problems. It's going to lead to the wrong path. And so Christ in our text, he doesn't want us to have those false expectations. He makes it clear the way of following him is, yeah, suffer. You might suffer. You might die, but afterwards the glory. We've got some extra young men and women here today. I don't know if any of you are planning to enter the, the preaching or teaching ministry, or maybe some of our own young people. If you go into the preaching ministry with a false expectation of, of what that is like, with, that, with a belief like, well, I'm going to be the best pastor ever, and oh, people are going to applaud after every sermon, and they're going to think I'm so great. And you enter into the ministry with that kind of an idea, so easy for Satan to lead you to, to be a man pleaser, right? doing what, what men like and what fills the church instead of what 
go instead of preaching God's word. Getting the, those pats on back from the world instead of from God. Or, or, to, or the teaching ministry as well. Entering, uh, beginning your, as a teacher with, a, with an idealized vision of what it's going to like is, is probably going to lead to um, this discouragement and, and giving up when it's a lot rougher than you were expecting, right? Next, next week we begin our Sunday school and install our Sunday school teacher. Same thing there as well, right? Sunday school teachers enter into that teaching Sunday school thinking everything's, you know, all the kids are all going to be so well behaved and dressed nicely and sit quietly and listen and rapt attention to everything I have to say. Now you're going to be, you're going to be disappointed, right? Some of our past Sunday school teachers here are laughing, right? It's not, it's not going to happen. It's going to be disappointment. I'm a big believer in jumping into the deep end of the pool, right? We a lot of things we, we have to start without knowing everything that all the challenges we're going to face. Marriage is a great example. If people knew how difficult and rocky marriage is, sometimes they probably would, would never get married. I'm a big believer in, okay, you don't have to know everything that's coming. Just jump in and get started. But Jesus wants us at least to jump in with our eyes open, knowing that, okay, it's not going to be easy. But afterwards, here's the promise. Death to life. It's going to be difficult, but as we mentioned in our children's sermon this morning, we have one another and we have Christ's promise to, to give us the strength to continue forward. Those who replace God's vision with their own are going to end up on the wrong road. I've been talking about the public ministry, but even in our daily lives, one way that you really see this in modern society, one way that people very easily switch from God's vision to man's vision of what it means to follow Christ is with the words, well, God wants me to be happy, right? If you enter into decisions like that, well, God wants me to be happy, well, then you can justify pretty much anything. It's a good excuse for any kind of sin or evil. This is going to make me happy. God wants me to be happy. And that's not what Jesus is saying in our text, and it's not the truth either. There is no salvation without the cross, is there? If Jesus had not continued, if he had not set his face towards Jerusalem and willingly gone, knowing full well, gone into that suffering and even onto that death of the cross, we would be lost in our sin. But he willingly did that for our sakes. And he calls us to follow. Follow him through death into that, that life which is waiting. Peter wasn't listening very carefully to Jesus. Peter was so focused on the suffering and the death part of what Jesus is saying that it seems like he missed the next part and rise again on the third day. We are often fooled. Satan is very good at making the way of this world look so much more appealing and so much better than the way of Christ. Christ doesn't deceive us. He doesn't paint a rosy picture of what it's going to be like. He's straight with us. It's going to be difficult. Even working all together, we had a little trouble carrying that cross up here, didn't we? It's going to be difficult working together. It's going to be difficult following Christ. But the glory that will follow, 
But through death, we enter into that same resurrection of Christ. Jesus was steadfast in his walk to the cross. And because he was steadfast, we are forgiven. When we are fooled and do start down the wrong path, we are forgiven. When we are wandering the wrong way and deceived by Satan's lies, Jesus is the good shepherd who comes in and pulls us back to himself and we are forgiven. We enter into his glory not because of our ability to walk that path of the cross, but because of Jesus's. He gives us a vision, a vision to the end, a vision of that feast of the lamb that will come. Christ's way means suffering and death, but it means a death which leads to life. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.